I'm not a youth minister, but many times I'll come over to the youth ministry, and I know one of the things they need to do different times when they have all the youth together in order to capture their attention is they have someone collects all the cell phones. And beings, there's an Eagles game on right now. I'd like all the cell phones to be collected. I would, like, I would love to have your undivided attention. All right? I will personally, I'll get my phone out, and I can pull it up, and I can let you know. The other option is, Whenever the Eagles score, you can just get excited and shout amen, and I'm going to think I'm preaching really well. Amen. <laughs> that was not a convincing one there, but anyway, you, you, you get the idea. So I will not be distracted by you. I'm not going to read your facial expressions this morning. If they're happy or sad, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to celebrate the fact that my team's in first place at the moment. <laughs> How was that for a diplomatic way to say that? Praise God. So anyway, you say, why did the electricity flash off this morning? You know, well, there's a whole lot of people we're talking about. We should stream the game. So I think God took care of the streaming, got the videos down. (laughs) So you're here. You're going to have to listen to me. Praise God. Amen. All right. Turn to the book of James chapter 1. I'm going to do part two of the message I started last Sunday morning entitled, Why or When in Doubt. When in Doubt. What are we going to do about it when we find ourselves doubting and how to uh, get ourselves out of that habit pattern of, of finding ourselves doubting the, the, the promises of, of God, our Savior. In James 1, it makes some very uh, bold statements concerning whether we should be in faith or not. So let's go ahead and read it. James 1, we'll begin reading in verse 5, talking about uh, when we're lacking wisdom, we're to ask God. So in verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So far, so good. Lacking wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you. Uh, without any reproach, he'll just give it to you liberally. Then verse 6, he brings some conditions to it. He says, but let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Everyone say, with no doubting. So it's very important here. You know, I shared with you last week that to doubt means to be uncertain, to be wavering, or to be double-minded. To be in faith means that you are a person of persuasion. You are persuaded. You have a firm conviction and you have a firm belief, a firm belief in God. You, have a, you are persuaded that God is for you and that he's not against you. You have a conviction concerning God and, and, and God's word to be true. Doubting means that you're uncertain, you're wavering, you're hot and cold, uh, double-minded. And so you're telling here, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is, is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. You know, that you're just a rudderless wave of ship at the sea, uh, no anchors, and you're just at the mercy of the wind and the waves and just being tossed every which way. And then in verse 7 says, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he's a double-minded man, and the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Unstable in all his ways. So it's very important that we 
posture ourselves, that we, get our, that we bring our, our soul and our mind and, and, and our faith into alignment with the Word of God, that we get everything working together, that, that we are not believing one moment and doubting the next moment, just, just being tossed back and forth back and forth and just really not, you know, and well, just James is very bold. Just let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from God. So if you're feeling like, gee, my prayer life is just not effective. My walk of faith is not producing anything. It may be because you've, uh, you've uh, gotten yourself into a place of doubting, not being fully persuaded, not being 100% convinced. You don't have that firm belief that, that, that God is looking for uh, within our lives. And so it's very important that whatever the source of the doubt may be, that we identify it as doubt and we learn to eliminate it from our lives. We are to be men and women that are fully convinced. We are to be people of persuasion. We have strong convictions and we have firm beliefs in, in God and in God's word. And all the people said, amen. amen. I was hoping the Eagles would score there so you would just shout amen automatically, but obviously they didn't. So to, be, to become certain, to become a person of conviction it's very, very important. Let's look at, uh, I shared with you last week quickly, I'll just give the references to you again, but Mark 11, chapter 20, uh, Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus made a strong statement concerning doubt, that, you know, if, if you believe in your heart and doubt, if, if you believe and doubt not in your heart that those things that you say will come to pass, you shall have whatever things you say. But Jesus made the statement, if you believe and doubt not in your heart, Doubt not in your heart. So it's important that we really become convinced and, and, and rid ourselves of the double-mindedness. Turn with me this morning to the, uh, Luke chapter 24, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24. I'm going to show you something else here that Jesus posed the question concerning doubt. And this is after Jesus had been crucified. He was buried and the resurrection had taken place. Uh, it's, uh, we have the story in here of the two men on the road to Emmaus, how they'd been walking, how they had lost all hope and they were reminiscing the things that are taking place. Jesus approached them and asked them why they're, you know, why they're grieving, why they're being doubtful and so forth. And, and uh, so he, he ministered to them and their eyes were open with the breaking of bread. And of course, when they, they get back into town, in a, at, at the end of the chapter, they're, they're telling the rest of the disciples about the things that happened to them on the road and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread, you know, among the fellowship and in the breaking of bread, Jesus was revealed to them. So now they're back and they're telling the other disciples that. And that's where the story, that's where it picks up this morning here at verse 36. It says, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? Why are you troubled and why do doubts, why are you uncertain? Why are you wavering? Why are you all of a sudden being double-minded? I thought you walked with me. I thought you believed me. I thought you trusted me. I thought you had confidence in me. I thought you were fully persuaded that I am the Christ. 
that I came forth from God, that I am the Redeemer. I, 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 I can recall how I shared personally with you on, on several occasions, not just once, but three times, I shared with you personally how it's important that as the, as the Son of God, I'm going to be tried, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to shed my blood, I'm going to die and be buried. But don't worry about that, because on the third day, I will rise again. I thought you, I thought you were convinced of that. Now here I am, I'm risen from the dead, I'm resurrected, I showed up on the Emmaus Road to the two disciples and, and comforted them and revealed myself to them in the breaking of bread and, and, and you know, they understood, oh, this is the Christ and, and, and they rejoiced in that. Now here they are sharing this incident with you and your trouble. I'm showing up here as a resurrected Christ, and you're not rejoicing, you're troubled, you're wavering, you're doubting. He says, why are you troubled? Why has doubt entered into your hearts? But notice when Jesus, Jesus appears to them, he says, peace to you, peace to you. So we should always be functioning in a, in, in a countenance and in a, in a framework of peace, peace. Jesus Christ is our peace. And so we're, we're assembled around the word of God and we're talking about God. It should be accompanied by a peace that even uh, Jesus said it, referred to it as a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's because there's things happen in life that are incomprehensible. There's things happen that we hadn't accounted for that, that have completely surprised us and that, that blindsided us. But even in the midst of things happening, things blindsided us, there's an undergirding peace in the midst of the storm. I don't understand the storm, where it came from, why it came, but in the middle of it, I'm experiencing peace. I'm not going to allow my confidence in God being shaken. And then Jesus shows up here, and that even, you know, he says they're terrified and frightened and, and suppose they'd seen a spirit. And so many times we can read this and be cynical of the disciples, but many times we're no different. Things happen in our lives, and we're terrified. The Word of God shows up. We hear the Word of God, and just, you know, it just it, it doesn't seem to make it any better. We just become even more afraid, thinking, wow, that must be a spirit. Well, it probably is. It's called the Holy Spirit. Amen? It may be a spirit, but don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, Jesus posed the question, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? So I'm going to, since I'm a follower of Jesus like you are, and we, you want to be doing what Jesus is doing, I'm going to take his example, I'm going to take his lead, and I'm going to pose the question Jesus posed to the disciples, and I'm going to pose it to all of us today, myself included. Why? Why am I troubled? And why do doubts arise in my heart? You ask yourself the question, why am I troubled? Right now, where life is right where you are, your current situation, your current reality, why are you troubled? And why are doubts arising in your hearts? And it's, I don't think it's perfectly fine to us to ask that question. Okay, what is it that's troubling me? What is it that's causing me to doubt? And I think it's good for us to ask that and be honest with ourselves because we need to be able to identify what's causing me to be uncertain. Why am I wavering? Why am I believing God one minute and hesitant the next moment? Why am I all in and then all out? Well, I want to be in, but uh, I'm not sure. Let me step back and just 
recalibrate here. Why are we doing that? What is it that causes us to be uncertain? Last week I shared with you how Peter was, was uh, summoned out of the boat and he walked on water to Jesus and he, he did just fine until he again looked at the waves and he began to fear and in, in beginning to fear he began to sink. And Jesus said, why did you doubt, oh you little faith? Here's a man walking on water, a man getting out of the boat, walking on water, and then he gets his eyes on the circumstances. When he gets, puts his eyes on the circumstances, he begins to fear, and in fear, he begins to sink, and Jesus asks him, why did you doubt? Here, again, I believe it would be a, an accurate assessment of the disciples, and, and I have no problem believing this is what happened because I can identify the same thing happens in my life. It's when the disciples got their eyes onto the circumstances. Yes, they heard Jesus say, I'm the Son of God. They heard Jesus say, I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to be buried. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again from the grave. They heard all that. They heard it right from the mouth of the Savior, but but they also physically witnessed it. They experienced it in a sense of they, 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 they were witnesses. They could see it with their own eyes. And what happened with what they were seeing with their own eyes, what they were seeing and experiencing in the natural realm overrode the promises of God that said, I will rise again. But what they saw, it's like, as a matter of fact, the two that were on the Emmaus Road, they said, we were hoping we were hoping that this was the Savior, but obviously he's not the Savior because they buried him last night or a few nights ago. And many times it's the same thing. Well, I have a promise here, and I was believing God, and I was standing on the promises of God's word, but then something contrary happened, and I got my attention off the word. I got my attention off the promise, and I got my attention on this unexpected thing that pops up, and all of a sudden... I'm not believing the word, I'm believing what I'm seeing. And that's when we have to answer the question that Jesus asked the disciples, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled with your finances when God promised that he'd supply our every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Why are we troubled with the things we're troubled with? Why are we troubled concerning uh, health issues when Jesus promised and, and, and that, that he is the healer and that by his stripes we were healed? One of his names is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer. Another name is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord God, our righteousness. Was well, he still our righteous God today? Is he still the Lord, our banner over us today? He's still Jehovah Rapha. He's still the great physician but yet we allow ourselves to get troubled by what we are experiencing in life. And it's very real. I'm not being condemning towards anyone, but it comes down to, okay, why am I allowing these circumstances or these symptoms to trouble me? And why, what is the source of the doubt? Why am I not believing God's word? And then answer that question and then purpose that you're going to, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to identify why I'm troubled and why are doubts arising concerning God's word. The good thing here is, is Jesus asked the question, but then he didn't go on and condemn the people. Too many times people today are asking the question and preachers are asking the question, and then they condemn the people. Well, you're not getting anything because you're in doubt, that's why. Well, that's really helpful. That makes me feel better. My confidence just went way up. I mean, it's just off the charts now. Thank you for reminding me that my problem is, is that I have too much doubt. 
I've now am confident. No, it's not, it's not condemnation, but notice here's Jesus gave them what they needed to dispel the doubt. Even doubting Thomas in the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 20, people always refer to him as doubting Thomas. Again, the disciples were in the room. Jesus appeared with them, and they were troubled, and uh, Thomas wasn't with them, and so they're telling, so they're telling Thomas, and, and the next time they're together, Thomas made the statement, I won't believe it unless I see it. And so he's got the title, Doubting Thomas. Well, when Jesus showed up there and Thomas was on, he said, I won't believe it unless I see it. And Jesus said, okay, you need to see it. Here you go. Take a look at my hands. Take a look at my feet. Look at my side. Because he gave him what he needed to bring, it, to bring him into confidence, to bring him into a firm belief, to bring him into a persuasion. Yes, this is the Christ. He did what he needed. What he, Jesus provided what Thomas needed for him to become persuaded rather than being doubtful. He also went on to say, Thomas, you're blessed because you, know, you have seen, now you, have, now you are persuaded because you've seen it, but blessed are those who have not seen and they still believe. But he didn't say, Thomas, you're, you know, you're second class. You needed to have this evidence. Well, Jesus gave him what he needed. Jesus will provide for you what you need to get you out of the realm of doubt and unbelief. The word of God will provide for you what you need to get, your, to get you out of the realm of doubt. Jesus, uh, here, after he said, why are, you, why are you troubled? Why are doubts arising in your heart? And he says, behold, my hands and my feet, that is I myself, handle me and see. For his spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. What's he doing? He's bringing He's bringing persuasion. He's bringing them to a place of firm belief. He wants to get them, he wants to dispel the wavering mindset, the double-mindedness. He wants to dispel it, and he's, 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 giving them, he's giving them the evidence of what they need. And so when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, but they still, not, they still didn't believe for joy and marvel. He said to them, have you any food here? You know, so he just kept going on and on. He, said, he kept going through this process until they came to a place of persuasion, a place of persuasion. And we say a place of persuasion. When you are fully persuaded, when you have a firm conviction, you're not in a place of doubting and being double-minded. And so you want to be approaching the throne of God. You want to approach God's word as a person of, uh, I am fully persuaded that God is God, his word is his word, and we win. Amen? We win. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. It may not look like I'm winning at this present moment, but I am persuaded that I'm a winner. I'm persuaded that I'm an overcomer. I'm persuaded that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me even when I'm feeling weak. I am persuaded I can do it in Jesus' name. He's for me and he's not against me. In Luke chapter 1, we have the story where, where uh, Gabriel appeared to Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was the Virgin Mary at the point at, at that time, and he spoke to her that she's going to conceive and she's going to give birth to the Christ child. And this, of course, was just absolutely overwhelming to her. Just turn there real quickly. I'll, this is good reading on your own sometime, but it's just very, very powerful. Gabriel appeared to her and, and, and told her what's going to happen, and, and, and Mary responded much the same way you and I respond to when we hear a miraculous word given to us, which is every time you hear the word of God. 
So he said that she's going to conceive, she's going to give birth to the son, you're going to call his name Jesus, and just telling her all these wonderful things. In verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how, how can this be? Then she states the obvious. I'm a virgin. I have not known a man. I've kept myself pure up to this point. I'm engaged to be married, but we purpose to keep ourselves pure. And now you're telling me I'm going to con- that I'm conceived of the Christ child. She says, how can it be? How is this going to happen? So she stated her question. And, and uh, a few verses before that, when the angel's talking to her, he, you know, he told her not to be afraid and so forth. And it, and it said that... Uh, in verse 29, it says, when Mary saw the angels, that she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was, that word from the King James, and I says, she cast about in her mind. She cast about in her mind. She considered. It's that casting about. You know, it's when we hear a command from God, when we hear the promises of God's word, and it's contrary to our natural circumstances, and it appears like it's, uh, it's, it's just not possible. It's not possible. But we sang the song this morning. He's a God of miracles. Amen? He's the God of miracles. So all things are possible to him that believes. So Mary casting about in her mind, and it's the same in, in the track and field of life. It's the same hurdle that we trip over. We start casting about in our mind. It's called being double-minded. And then she later said, how is this going to happen? And Gabriel didn't just scold her and say, well, it's not going to happen because you're just so full of doubt and unbelief. She said, how is this going to happen? She's casting it about. She's wrestling in her mind. I want to believe, but I I can't believe. I want to believe, but I'm afraid to believe. And so how is this going to happen? And Gabriel said, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Remember last week, I challenged all of us to always be open and to always be ready to consider a supernatural solution. Always be open to the Holy Spirit doing something that's beyond human ability. That's why he's here, to help us. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. That's how it's going to happen. That's how it's going to happen. And he told her that, you know, he said the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Then he also gave her a, a, a contemporary testimony about her cousin, Elizabeth. She's an old lady and she's pregnant. That was a miracle. And she's six months pregnant already. So he gave her a, a contemporary testimony. Here, here's a miracle that took place in someone you know. So, so miracles still do happen. So that's why it's good to share testimonies. It's good to hear when someone has a miracle taking place, you tell somebody about it. Amen? It encourages people. So that's good. And then he went on to, and, and, and Gabriel continued with his words to Mary. In verse 37, he said, For with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible possible. The amplified version of that verse says, no word from God shall be without power of fulfillment. So when you receive a word from God, a promise from God, and it puts you in a realm of faith, and immediately on that heels of faith, it slaps up against you, a a doubtful thought, something happens that wants to just rob your faith, immediately puts you in doubt. Mark 4 tells us that Satan comes immediately to steal the word. So you grab a hold of a promise of God and you know more than in a nanosecond, here comes the enemy with doubt and unbelief and all the reasons why you couldn't, wouldn't, and shouldn't be believing that. 
You have to convince yourself, no, I am a person of persuasion. I have a firm conviction. I am not double-minded. I believe that this is a word from God, and I believe that this word of God uh, is not without power of fulfillment, for every word of God has the ability in and of itself to fulfill itself. And so that's basically what Gabriel's telling Mary. Stop casting about. Don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit's going to take care of this. And I love Mary's resignation. And if you will adopt the resignation of Mary into your own life and into your own circumstances, I believe you can expect the same outcomes. Mary said after this conversation, after all this wavering, casting about in her mind, considering, yes, it could work, but no, it won't work. Joseph was really, how am I going to tell this? How's Joseph going to take this? This is going to ruin my relationship. I'm not accepting this. You know, thank you for thinking of me, but please pick someone else. All these things are going through her mind. And then Gabriel talks to her. You know, this is possible. This is a Holy Spirit thing. This is, this is beyond natural. This is, whole, this is supernatural. This is a God thing. Uh, your cousin Elizabeth, she's beyond the age of childbearing, but uh, she's pregnant. So go figure that She's pregnant. And by the way, no word from God is without power or fulfillment. So just, you know, I'm telling you this. This is how it is. God can do this. The Holy Spirit will do this for you, Mary. And Mary came to the place where she said, be it unto me according to your word. Right in the midst of your biggest doubts, your biggest fears, you say, why am I troubled? Why am I doubting? You ask yourself that question and you be honest, but right in the middle of it, right on the heels of it, you say, yes, this is what's causing me to be troubled. This is what's causing me to doubt. But nevertheless, be it done to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. You know the rest of the story. She conceived the Christ child. She gave birth to the Christ child. And uh, we are the recipients of, of uh, having the gift of eternal life as a result of it. All doubt was gone. All doubt was dispelled when she said, let it be unto me according to your word. Abraham in Romans chapter 4, God spoke to him about he's going to be a father of many nations. He didn't, he didn't have a son. But it said Abraham didn't consider his own body, didn't consider the, the, the deadness of Sarah's womb. Again, way past the age of childbearing. But it said that he, he didn't consider his own body. And, and what he did is Abraham says did, he, he did not waver. He did not waver at the promises of God he did not waver at the promises of God, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So if there's anything I can leave you with here this morning, is a, why are you troubled? Why are doubts entering into your mind? Is to begin to just be honest and then write, write immediately, say, okay, identify the source. But the greater truth is, it's the promise of God's word, be it unto me according to the word. I'm going to stick with the word. I'm going to stick with the word. And every time I feel myself wavering away from it because of what I see, what I'm seeing, I'm going to get right back to the word of God. I'm going to be a full assurance that the Holy Spirit of God is with me. And I'm not going to waver at the promises of God, but I'm going to be strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So overcome when in doubt, surrender. Everyone say surrender, surrender. to God's word. Number two. Grow strong in faith, giving glory to God. Amen. Worship God. Be a person of prayer.
Get yourself in the word of God. Brings glory to God and builds your faith. Builds your faith. Amen? So, when in doubt, knock it off. <laughs> Just stop doubting. I'm not doubting. Catch yourself saying, well, I don't see how that's going to work. Well, I doubt that that can happen or I doubt that this can happen. I doubt that this will take place. No, no. Just dispel it. Say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to surrender to the word of God. I'm going to surrender to the promises of God in the midst of things that look absolutely hopeless. I'm trusting God. Amen. James, would you come up here? James wants to, uh, we're going, Nancy and I are going to be on sabbatical in November and December. Most of you know that. Some of you may not have known that. And uh, so before. So this is our last Sunday for this year. Looking forward to being back in 2019, knowing that God has great things in store for us. So the purpose of sabbatical is for us to get uh, rested spiritually, emotionally, and uh, physically rested and mentally sharp and come back. We have a lot of vision for the next season here at Grace Fellowship Church, believing there's great things in store for all of us. And so I asked James if he would lead you all in a prayer for us and just keep us covered in your prayers as we take this time away. We have uh, some really good things in store, some uh, excellent lineup of ministries scheduled for every Sunday. And so I do want you to pray, covet your prayers, but one of the best things you could do for me, you say, Pastor Ray, what can we do to get your batteries charged? It's come to church. In my absence, stay faithful, come, worship. Every minister that has been selected to minister, we believe has a very specific message that's going to build, it's going to be movement into what God wants to do in 2019 and beyond. And so please, that's the best thing you can do is support. I mean, one of the worst things you could do is say, oh, we're praying for you, and then I find out that most people didn't show up because pastor's away. That would be discouraging. If I hear that, I probably won't come back. <laughs> I doubt if I will ever come. <laughs> I'm coming back. <laughs> so you get my point. Be supportive. Be supportive. We believe God has a plan, a very specific ministry gift every Sunday. And so I would love to see it build each week and just really start 2019 off and just really going after it in Jesus' name. Amen.